Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the pre-order bonus, another episode of our podcast where we go in-depth and analyze your favorite video games. I'm your host, Cameron Warren, here today as always with my co-host, Jacob Price. Jake, how's the quarantine treating you in another week? Quarantine has been, I don't know, man, it's just, I i don't think I'm still come to grips with the fact that it's real and that it's happening. I just feel like I get to be a slob at home all day for no reason. <laughs> Oh, it's real. It's definitely real. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, the stats I've been reading today, they're pretty staggering. So it's real and it is happening. Um, I just feel like at our house, so, you know, my wife, she works for the local hospital. And so she's in lab client services. So she's on the phone. She's not really dealing with patients. But um, right. so she's at work pretty much every day. She doesn't get to work remotely. She has to be on site. She doesn't get a break. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for the people that can't. You know, can't work from home or losing their jobs and millions of people losing their mm-hmm. jobs. Um, that's a horrible, horrible situation. I, I hope that uh, looking for ways to help to see if I can help people to keep their jobs mm-hmm. and or humanitarian aid or anything to kind of help people. Right. Very bad time. I hope I hope people can tune in and listen to our podcast, veg out a little bit, relax, chill out. And just listen to us talk about video games for for forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of the goal of what we do here. Uh, Jake, what games have you been playing this week? Tell everybody what's going on. I I think we were texting today. It sounds like you are deep in the hedgerows of Red Dead Redemption, or sh- sh- should I say the uh, the uh, tumbleweeds? <laughs> deep in the tumbleweeds, <laughs> deep, very deep. Yeah. So let's see. I finished up near Automata, and. We could talk about that game another time. There's a lot to unpack there. I think it's a super ambitious project, and I think that it's that is the game's greatest success and failure, in my opinion. But because I finished that game, I've really moved on to Red Dead Redemption 2 almost exclusively at this point. Um, I am managing to squeeze in a little bit of Ori and Will of the Wisps every now and then. And then um, I am doing some power level grinding for Destiny 2 to make another attempt at Trials this weekend. You're still doing Trials. Man, Destiny 2. You're still doing Destiny 2. I can't believe it. Can't- I feel I thought everyone's moved on. Cameron, man. I think you'd be proud, though, because I am not doing pretty much any of the PvE stuff. In fact, oh, I think... Okay. You're just doing Trials. Yeah, I'm really just grinding, doing the PvP. The sandbox is the best it's been in, like, I don't know a year and a half or something feels really good to play and it's kind of fun to have a high-end pvp mode right now yeah no i get i get it <laughs> like the skill grind i uh i was listening to uh, kotaku split screen another gaming podcast put out by the jason Trier and kirk hamilton maddie myers over at kotaku I, I read a lot of their stuff and and uh they had an episode where they were reading emails from their listeners about the hardest thing they'd ever done in a video game. Mm. It's a great episode. Uh and Kirk and Jason were saying how getting to the tower in trials was the hardest thing they'd ever done. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. And it was like I got to be honest, I was like, "Hmm, that uh, maybe maybe we should give that a shot." But then I was then I was quickly like, "No, that's stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I've been too deep into trying to sharpen my Apex Legends skill set, mm-hmm. and more recently, my Call of Duty Warzone skill set. I've actually been playing a, a lot of Warzone with CPA Assassin. We played a little mm-hmm. bit. I think we played a couple games, Jake. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I need to get you, I need to get you back in there. Any interest in coming back in? Um, I really should hop back in there. You know, I've been playing a lot of Destiny Two PvP. I'm just I'm kind of interested in that right now. Like pretty competitive games, so I'm always up for it. I know every time a new battle royale comes around, I always ask myself if I'm really willing to learn the specific mechanics of that battle royale. And so after we had played, and I played maybe a little bit more, it's you know. If a lot of my friends are playing, sure, I'll jump in. But Apex Legends is kind of my home, I feel like, when it comes to Battle Royales. You can really only do one at a time, honestly. I think you have to pick one. If you're trying to do Trials and Destiny 2, I mean, you kind of got to dedicate yourself to that. It would be tough to jump back and forth. We actually tried to jump back and forth between Apex and and Modern Warfare, and even that was like a jarring back and forth. Mm -hmm. But it's a fun game. All the streamers are playing it, so it's fun to tune in, you know, just working from home. Just have I have a second monitor, so pop that up sometimes and have streamers going at it. And it's fun to see those guys play at a high level those games. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure. And jump in, our cell, jump in and get completely yep, shredded yep. every time I get you in. You get confidence watching <laughs> these guys play, and then you jump in, and you're like, wow, I am awful. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. You're like, oh man, that looks really fun. I'm gonna get on today and and dominate, and then and then you just die in the first three minutes. But it's okay. It's <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. But today, Jake, we're talking about a wildly different game. Pro- <laughs> probably the most unique, <laughs> probably the most unique game we've talked about on the podcast. But one that's definitely worth talking about. Mm-hmm. I think one that's probably slipped under the radar of a lot of people, especially the type of. Uh, gamers that listen to this podcast or or maybe not i don't know uh untitled goose Mm -hmm. game this is a weird game but we're going to talk about it jake tell everybody how we're going to do that sure thing uh what we're going to do as you remember we're moving from three categories to four categories when we do the breakdown analysis of the episode's game Um, and really this is just for clarity's sake it's easier for you and it's easier for us first category of those four is the narrative this is when we focus on the storytelling of the game we talk about the artistic merits of the game what its successes and what its failures are in terms of the game and the genre that it's in um, in an artistic sense and in a narrative sense especially the second category is mechanics so this is where your fingers meet the controller these are the different systems in the game that you engage with the different abilities that you might have and the different ways that you're going to interact with different npcs or different players or different objects or whatever it is the environment etc the third category is the gameplay loop so here the fundamental question is what is it about this game that is engaging why does it keep drawing me back why do i keep booting up my save file why do i want to finish this game And then the last category is impact on the industry. Here we're talking about how this game fits in a broader scope of the video game industry, the genre in which it is housed. And in the case of Entitled Goose Game, I mean, even if you're not a gamer, memes of the goose stealing something are everywhere. So chances are you've run into this game in one way or another, whether it's a meme you didn't quite understand or you understand that basic concept of the game. You're like, oh, I get it. Okay, it's keep away. Untitled Goose Game, uh, let's start off with the narrative. There, there's not really a narrative to speak of. <laughs> it's probably even more subtle uh, in the sense, uh, I mean, we talked about Dead Cells last mm-hmm. week and talked about how that that narrative kind of lives under the surface with little nuggets being revealed as you play the game. But uh, Untitled Goose Game, not not really any narrative. And it's, it's not other than kind of an atmospheric narrative. You're in a... What I perceive to be 
a little village in the United Kingdom. Yep. Is that is that off base? That's Kate? exactly it. Yeah, you're in a little village in the United Kingdom in this little neighborhood. There's a farm. There's a lady with a little shop. Uh, there's little village homes, and you're 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 a goose. You are literally a goose walking around being a goose. I think during this time of uh, coronavirus, this is actually the perfect game to play. <laughs> honestly, yeah. this is like super laid back. Just walk around, honk at people. Uh, I let my daughter play, jump on my Xbox and play mm-hmm. sometimes. And you know, she she doesn't quite know how to solve the puzzles, which we'll talk about in a second. But she likes to walk around and honk at people and just kind of be a goose and see what the townspeople mm-hmm. are up to. And yeah, so I mean, not not really any narrative to speak of, but just kind of a chill experience, kind of walking through this village in in England as a little goose. I mean, really, Untitled Goose Game is the Purge, but the PG version, right? Can you explain this <laughs> analogy? <laughs> well, so here, and I'll come clean. I haven't seen the movie or the TV show, The Purge, because they look awful. But the basic premise is that one day a year, people can do whatever they want, and they're not held accountable for it. And then here. Oh, right? okay. All right. And so Untitled Goose Game, you get to be this horrible, villainous creature and wreak havoc on this quaint, peaceful village. Um, and so I feel like in that way, I don't know, it's a bit of a release, sure, but it's it's just a lot of fun. It's slapstick humor. You make silly things happen. You make people trip. You make them fall into puddles. You steal stuff, right? All of that, I would say, is the main objective of the game. And then very much like Dead Cells, the narrative of the game doesn't surface until the very, very, very end of the game. So Untitled Goose Game has been out less than a year. I won't spoil the very end, but it's a relatively short game. Um, but you need to get to the very end and you need to do the very last leg of the game. Um, at the very end, there's a narrative nugget that just makes you laugh. I mean, it's just comedy, right? But I did want to dig into something um, that's pretty, that's not necessarily new and up and coming, but it's something that's been around for a while in academia called animal studies. And I thought Untitled Goose Game is an interesting case study. Hmm, interesting. For for this literary theory of animal studies. One of the main focuses of animal studies is sort of to talk about how humans perceive animals and what is the actual true relationship between humans and animals. Do animals completely dominate um excuse me, do humans completely dominate animals? Are they totally subordinate? Do they have agency? All these types of questions about how animals operate. That's super interesting, Jake. I I'd find myself I found myself thinking while I was playing this you know that it doesn't really give you that's that's actually interesting to know because i am very very close to the end but i haven't quite beaten all the puzzles there's still some things i need to check off Mm -hmm. i've just been kind of having fun with it you know kind of running around doing puzzles letting afton jump on my Mm -hmm. daughter and play around but yeah i did catch myself thinking uh man these people are really mean to this goose (laughs) (laughs) It's like, is that is that the way that I would treat a goose if it came? But I guess in the wild, geese are actually pretty uh, aggressive. Is that is that correct? <laughs> so they are, right? And um, thinking, you know, I was trying to hone, you know, my background in literary studies, thinking about animal studies, right? Geese yeah. are, and this is the human perception of geese is that one, they're mean, and two, they're really aggressive, right? And I think that's true, but I what I like about this game is that 
with all the bias and stereotype that we have towards geese, that's how you play the goose. And I think that's why it's so much fun, right? We definitely personify this goose as like, like I said, it kind of lives outside of human law and order. And that's why it is free to completely disrupt human law and order. And so that's what I think is interesting about this game from a literary artistic perspective is that you are in charge of, you know, this goose and you don't have to subscribe to human law and order you get to do essentially what you want which is antagonize these people and they antagonize you back and so really that's where the comedy is right the comedy comes from this antagonistic relationship between geese and people which i will say really quick while i was living in new jersey um there are tons of canadian geese everywhere and geese are one of the animals that are very unafraid of humans I feel like. And this is right. why they're so aggressive and why we perceive them this way. It's because they understand humans. They watch human culture happen. And they are always trolling us. I felt like like when we were going on walks in New Jersey, <laughs> they're always nipping at the stroller, just like being provocative. And so when this game came out, I was like, oh, I have to play it because this has been my experience with geese. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it's it's fun to put yourself in the shoes of the of the goose and and be mischievous and like you said troll the humans and the game tells you how to troll the humans right mm-hmm. it's not you can do you can sort of do whatever you want but it also tells you it gives you objectives gives you a little notepad and says uh hey go and um make the farmer get wet or make the farmer uh drop a hammer on his thumb mm-hmm. and so when the farmer's over there and he's hammering away you honk and then he hits himself on the thumb. So the mm-hmm. the narrative is really kind of this atmospheric telling of a goose in this English neighborhood going through playing practical jokes, messing with people. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. It's endearing. It's it's a good story without really there being a story. And it's mm-hmm. just pleasant to play. And it's you know, it's it's pleasant to play through in, in that sense. Very lighthearted. Like you said, you had your daughter play. Well, this is a game that I've had my four-year-old son play as well. And my wife loves this game too. I think the way that the humor is handled in this game, you know, there are no words really spoken except the to-do lists. Yeah. Those interactions, that slapstick humor is something that resonates with people of all ages. And that's why I think even though there isn't a ton of narrative in this game, it's still a tremendous success and has resonated with so many people. I'll say for two things, one for that humor, that's pretty universal. And then two, if you've ever had a interaction with a goose, it's probably been something like what you play in this game. Yeah. It's been a while since I have. So I was trying to think when's the last time I've actually run into a real goose and I couldn't, I couldn't quite think of when that actually was, but I was thinking, oh, maybe it was like this. I can't remember. But is there lots of geese in New Jersey, really? Where we were living, I feel like the Canadian geese would always stop there, and they were just awful, awful creatures. Yeah, the developers really flex on that, flex on that <laughs> idea for sure. <laughs> yeah. So it's so I, that's yeah, I mean, it's good to hear. So if you've had a lot of interaction with geese, I bet this this game is quite a bit more hilarious than than it already is. <laughs> yeah. But Jake, let's talk about mechanics. That's really where this game lives. And it's really simple. I mean, there's really only a few things that the goose can do. The goose can walk. It can run. It can grab things with its beak up high or down low. It can spread its wings and it can honk. And that's it. And through those devices, you do all of your mischievous tasks throughout this little fake English village and and bother the people. But it it gives you these puzzles and some of the puzzles are actually, I mean, 
none of them are very none, none of them are super difficult to figure out but they um but they're just challenging it enough to make it really fun uh just challenging enough where my daughter was was able to figure out a, a couple some i had to actually think through some because i couldn't quite figure out a couple of them there's some of them that are a little bit more tricky than others but they're all fun and it's hilarious to see the reactions of the npcs again who don't say anything they just have Mm -hmm. really well designed reactions and it helps that the art style in this game is is really beautiful it Mm -hmm. it looks amazing i mean it's not it's not red Dead redemption 2 but it's got a beautiful (laughs) art style it's it's Mm -hmm. drawn and and uh designed really well and then there's another thing about this game that i think is really special that i'll just bring up in the mechanics is is how the music plays with oh yeah how the music uh, swells and changes tone and rhythm as you perform different actions in the game so as you get closer to people or as you do different things uh you get close to someone you honk at them the music will swell you back away it'll go back down to kind of a smooth relaxing tone and the music kind of tells us a story as you go throughout and, and tells you what you're doing is really stressful to this person. And that kind of heightens the stress and, and heightens the anxiety when you're trying to run away from them, for them from the thing that you stole when you're trying to complete the objective. And it all just works really well together. It's it's very simple, but really well designed and, and feels really good to do. Yeah, I 100% agree. That is one of the characteristics of this game that is... I think absolutely stunning. The music, just just so our listeners are aware, I think it's WC's like piano suites or something. And I remember reading an article on this actually, and it said that the pianist who recorded all this, he he did I think a total of four hundred and forty different recordings to capture all the different emotional feelings that are associated in with the game. And like oh, you said, wow. Cameron, I didn't know that. There's so many in there, right? And um, like you said, though, there are audio cues for when people are starting to notice when you're getting too close, when people are freaking out and they want to start chasing you. The fact that they chose, I don't know, such a, it's so complimentary um, to the more minimal art style and the general feel of the game. Um, because when you think of just like a solo piano piece, typically you think of something that's pretty uplifting or fun, or you think of something that's really dramatic, like Moonlight Sonata or something, right? But there's a certain minimal, quaint feeling to it. And I think that complements the atmosphere and the quaint English village and how you're disrupting it and the piano starts picking up and really freaking out. So I think that functions as a really fascinating audio cue mechanic in this game. Otherwise, Cameron, you're totally right. I mean, what the goose does isn't that complicated. You can't jump and you can't fly. And I think that's purposeful. So the puzzles can be the way that they are. But really, you're just grabbing stuff, taking them, and moving them from one place to another. Yeah, it thrives in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. The puzzle solving, it, it, it almost feels a little bit like, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go way out on left field here and make a comparison to Breath of the Wild. I did this with... <laughs> <laughs> so the comparison I'm going to make is, you know in Breath of the Wild, if, you, if you're familiar with, with The Legend of Zelda you know that in Breath of the Wild, they threw out the traditional uh, dungeon system um, where you would have a a large dungeon filled with many, many puzzles, and then you would have a boss at the end. With Breath of the Wild, they changed all that. They they only had uh, a couple big dungeons, quote-unquote, but they weren't really dungeons, and instead they scattered throughout the world, I think 140 or 122, I can't remember the exact number, shrines. I think... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and all those shrines are, are mini puzzles. So they don't take very long to solve. Some of them are harder, harder, harder than others, excuse me. But you go throughout the world and you kind of run into And And this game, it's a series of mini puzzles. And and they all, and because the mechanics are, are very simple, but allow you to do kind of so many different things, it, it feels really good. So I'm going to make that comparison. I hope that makes sense, Jake. So Untitled Goose Game is The Purge meets Breath of the Wild. Got it, listeners? <laughs> you heard it here first. The Purge meets Breath of the Wild. Actually, that's a... I mean, aside from The Purge, I think, being about murder, and this is much more lighthearted than that. This would be this would be like if The Purge was playing practical jokes on your neighbor, and right, you, know, yeah. you, you wouldn't get like sued or something. Um, <laughs> but no, it's... It really it works really well together. the it, The puzzle solving is light enough to just be relaxing. You mm-hmm. go in. It's got the beautiful music, like you said. It's got these very simple puzzles that are that are really funny and endearing, and it's just it's it's totally unlike anything that I that I'm used to playing, um, which was also very refreshing. I don't usually play games. I think the closest thing to to a game like this that I play mechanically are probably city builders, but even city city builders are are so much more complex that sometimes their complexity gets me a little bit stressed out, and then I I you know I end up stopping playing or I hit a wall because the the complexity goes up and up and up and up. Like we talked about Frostpunk, that's that's what happens with that. It starts out simple and then it gets mm-hmm. too complex. This game just is very short, very simple. Uh, beautifully designed uh, looks wonderful it's very clear to look at i love how clear it is like the art style oh, is, yeah. is so incredibly clear you can see everything and and just beautiful it, it, yeah it's like it's like playing a painting really like a like a beautifully drawn animated painting i i agree there's a really bright pastel color palette which works with the themes of the game but also something that i really like about this game and this kind of comes into the mechanic and game design is that it's really easy to see the different objectives that you have. So for example, if you're reaching for an item, if you can grab it, you'll get three lines shooting out of it, kind of like when you see an animated light bulb over somebody's head and there's light showing that it's bright. Um, And then when you're dragging something, there are these lines that kind of show how it's being dragged as well. And I think, you know, it's such a clean, simple UI that matches you know, the clean, simple movement and mechanics of the game. So there isn't a whole lot going on. I mean, there's no stamina bar, no health bar, none of that stuff. It really just comes down to movement, grabbing stuff, and then the light puzzle mechanics like you mentioned. Um, But yeah, it's enjoyable as it is. It doesn't need to be more complicated. No, it really doesn't. Uh, And, you know, for the sake of this podcast, I think of, I always try and think of, critiques because we we want to provide to the list you know our listeners a good good in-depth analysis and kind of make sure that they understand what the game is and and what it offers and i honestly had a really hard time thinking of negative things because it's because of its simplicity and because it's so short it it doesn't really fail it does perfectly what it's designed to do Mm -hmm. and it's designed to do something that you know not very many other games do and so for that reason, it's it's just, it's great. I, I really have nothing bad to say about it. Jake, anything else you want to say about mechanics? We'll talk about kind of the, we'll talk about the gameplay loop. Uh, not so much about the mechanics, no. I'm ready to move on. So 
coming back to this game, I think this is something um, – it's very short. It's very simple. It's probably not something you're going to come back to uh, very soon after you finish it. But I think you you want to share it with people, and I think that's that's what the, that's the gameplay loop. I think that this game offers. I think when people play it, they want to share it. They want to tell people about it. This game actually won Game of the Year last year mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, at the Dice Awards. Which obviously there's many Game of the Year shows, but this this game mm-hmm. won Game of the Year at, at the Dice Awards, and mm-hmm. and I was very skeptical when I heard that because I hadn't played it yet, and I was like, why in the world would they give? untitled goose game game of the year but i think it's because what i just said this game perfectly executes what it set out what it sets out to do uh it's not my favorite game of all time it's not the perfect game but it perfectly executes what it wants to do which is this very simple you know relaxing puzzle game where you're a goose and it does it perfectly and you know it it just does it really well so Mm -hmm. the gameplay loop is coming back to it to share it with people this is something you could share with family members this is something you could share with parents for goodness sake mm-hmm. parents that if, if you have parents that like puzzles or like puzzle games virginia my wife got a kick out of it um, my daughter who's little got a kick out of it i i really like to add a relaxing time just sitting back and goofing around in it it's great mm-hmm. yeah it's great yeah to touch on a few of the points that you made um yeah for sure I, you do want to share this game when you play it because it's such a good time. I mean, I've shared this game. Let's see. My four-year-old's played it. My wife's played it. I just convinced a friend of mine who bought a Switch because they're in quarantine right now, right? Um, they bought it and they're loving it. And, you know, I even had my father-in-law play it and he was giggling, right? This is my father-in-law, right? <laughs> right. And, and this was totally. just the openings. Right. I mean, that's the type of game that it is. It's just fun, you know? Um, <clears throat> it's just good old-fashioned fun, right? Uh, getting back to what you said, though, about it winning game of the year and so it is my personal belief that the best critique of any piece of art that you can make is you you measure the piece of art against its own standards against itself right right right. you take what the piece of art is trying to accomplish how it sets what you know it's objective and what it's trying to accomplish and the means that it uses to accomplish that objective and then you see where it falls short and whether it's successful or not. You know, when you're reading a poem and if the poem um, evokes certain responses, you know, um, in a successful way, then it, you're like, okay, that was a good read. Same with a good novel, a good movie. And that's why for me, I agree with that it wins Game of the Year because you look at Untitled Goose Game's objective, which is good old-fashioned simple fun, and it does that. It's incredibly polished you know it wants to show you that sometimes less is more right simple mechanics are fine and that makes for a fun game it means to be funny and i think it's incredibly successful in how it does that and so for me when you measure untitled goose game against the standards that it sets for itself as a game it's a home run right i mean and that's why you want to share it with people and that's why it's it's made it into pop culture right that's really why you come back to it. I agree. I really come back to this game to watch other people play it. I did 100% the game because I loved it that much. And so there will be people like me who come back and they want to check off things that are on secret to-do lists, which there are spoilers. Oh, really? Yeah. And they want to come back and finish all those different aspects of the game, right? I think there's that, sure, for the completionist. 
But then, but you nailed it, Cameron, and I 100% agree. Really, you come back to this game to watch other people enjoy it and to talk about it. Yeah, this game's a testament to me of of video games as art. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not afraid to say that you could put this game in a museum ten years from now. Oh, for sure. And put it on a wall and stick a controller there, and I mean, it's this would be you know considered a piece of art. And because of its simplicity, everyone can understand it, and that's mm-hmm. that's what makes it beautiful. I'm honestly like I'm really trying hard to think of like why is this game bad like bad thing, and I, I honestly can't. And so I I totally understand why it won Game of the Year and. Yeah, I think everyone should play this. Everybody should play this. Well, I've got a criticism. Okay, go for it. As much as I love this game, I do have a criticism. And it's not that good of a criticism. But the game is pretty short. And in a lot of ways, it feels like an incredibly polished demo, right? Um, I don't know if you can make this game into, you know, a 12-hour campaign. You can't do that, right? But um, I think what the game, what I'd love to see in Untitled Goose Games follow-up, right? Goose leaves UK, goes to New York City, and starts a revolution where you have, you know, co-op and you can play multiple geese terrorizing a whole city of people, right? Um, And the reason why (laughs) I bring that up, (laughs) it'd be great, right? No. Um, And I think this is where Untitled Goose Game falls a little bit short in that... um, it's a really short experience. Yes, you could go back and be a completionist and you could do all these things. But for me, this is another game that just begs, you know, for more split screen co-op, which I feel like is something that we're missing in a ton of indie games that would give them a ton more longevity. It would make us come back to the game a lot more. Um, this is a game that I would love to play with my four-year-old or my wife or my father-in-law or any of these people that I've mentioned. And I'd love to do it in maybe a different arena or a different type not necessarily a different mode completely but i just think that would give a lot of fresh even more freshness to the game after you've beat it i'm gonna disagree with you on that one i think i think the simplicity makes it what it is that i i totally hear what you're saying i agree with the idea of yes it would be incredibly fun to do this co-op and have uh you know activities where you know, you had to play tricks where you had to do things together, but that I think that might take away from. And actually, I I appreciate the how short it is, and maybe it's a little bit too mm. short. Maybe you could throw that as a criticism, but I actually appreciate short games. Um, as a father and somebody who you know doesn't have unlimited time to play video games, a game that's really short that I can sit down and complete really quick, and it's just a relaxing mm-hmm. experience. That's that's worth it. However, mm. I agree with your points. At the same time, you know, it would be great to have a little bit longer experience, to have some more puzzles, to have a co-op mode, but maybe they'll do that in the next game. But I think Mm -hmm. for this game, what they were specifically trying to accomplish, I think they did it perfectly. Hopefully in the next game, they'll they'll try Mm -hmm. to accomplish more and they'll execute those additional things just as flawlessly as they did here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fair to say. Like I said, it's kind of a weak criticism, but... When I was, you know, have, uh, letting my four-year-old play, I just kept thinking to myself, man, I would love to jump in there and play this game with him right now. It's such a great introductory game to non-gamers mm-hmm. that it's an experience that I really want to share with them, like actually playing with them. But I do understand what you're saying because when I 
played it through for the first time and when you get to the very end and you do the bit that does reveal more narrative about the game for example that experience probably would be ruined if it was with co-op right and i actually haven't gotten there yet so i'm glad to know that i've been playing it very slowly with afton um but i've actually played quite a like probably at least a couple hours of it but we just you know we stay in the same area Mm -hmm. for like an hour (laughs) <laughs> which i think is a fine way to play this game that's another one of its achievements right is right. that you i think the world record speed run any percent is like under 14 minutes which makes sense oh wow but yeah. but the thing is is like my son when he plays he could just go to the you know the, it's the second or third area and just ring the bell endlessly he could do that for five hours this actually makes me want to check out more games like this, and I can actually think of one. Um, give me a second. I want to look this up, actually, because I want to tell our listeners about it. Hike. Oh, a short hike. A short hike. <laughs> That's literally called a short hike. Yes, I've heard amazing yeah. things about that. Um, and it's literally like what it sounds. It's like cute animal mm-hmm. characters, and you literally just walk around and talk to them. <laughs> well, okay, I was going to say, that game has a little bit more of a narrative, but I think you you're totally right. It's a simplified experience that's just executed beautifully. And that's what makes it so enjoyable. Is this on, is this on the Xbox Jake? No, it needs to come to consoles. I'm surprised it's not on switch right now. Um, it's on, uh, itch.io and maybe steam. Yeah. I see it on steam here. Yeah. Maybe I'll play this on my steam link with my daughter. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find more games like this, something that my daughter can play. Uh, mm-hmm. we played until a goose game actually on a hilarious note, playing games with kids. I've been playing Jedi fallen order on Jedi grandmaster mode with Afton. Uh, oh, wow. And it has an added difficulty curve because she has the second controller and can control, uh, Cal Kestis. <laughs> and so I'll be doing some super hard fight and she'll just randomly like hit the X button and then I'll die. And so it's like, <laughs> super jedi grandmaster (laughs) so there should be an achievement for that play with two controllers active at the same time and have your four-year-old touching the buttons oh yeah for sure it's been pretty fun she's she gets a kick out of star wars uh she she really enjoys it she's like let's play the star wars game dad so yeah i'm looking for more games like that until a goose Mm -hmm. game is a great one let's talk about this game's impact on the industry jake this game sold over a million copies I mean, it's very popular. It's it's sold over a million copies. It's very cheap. It's on Game Pass. I love that it's sold over a million copies. Like I said, mm-hmm. I think there should be more games like this. Um, just simple things that you can jump into and have a good time and get uplifted by. Less mm-hmm. games where you're you're killing everybody and stealing everyone's things and raping people and you know massive set pieces with monsters and explosions and more and uh, less of those games and more games like this um so that's honestly that's what i hope the impact is on the industry i hope indie developers aren't afraid to do things and 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 i don't don't think they are um but you know more short well-designed beautiful artful games uh, i'm all for it yeah i 100 percent agree the i think the indie game you know scene in particular is very much set up to produce these quirky, cute, beautiful short games like this. 
Um, I mean, you mentioned a short hike and I think that's the other game that I would also mention that it's, it's do something, it's maybe do one or two things beautifully. And that makes for such a great experience. Like I said, you know, when I was, you know, my one critique of the game is I think it feels like a polished demo. Demos don't feel polished by any means, right? But this game is very polished. It feels very complete in that sense, right? Where the design is very clear, the objectives are very clear, and the way to perform those objectives and execute that everything you want to in the game is clear and simple and feels right. And I think um, uh, indie games are very much they very much have that creative space where they don't have to impress with explosions, with massive set pieces, like you said, Cameron, but they can really just get to the heart of the matter, um, the heart of the game and to the heart of the player, right? Just through these really polished, beautifully executed, simple games. And I agree with you. I hope that's the impact that we see on titled goose game. I think we're going to see a lot more bonkers, just comedy, in games thanks to this i mean you're a goose that terrorizes people i wouldn't be surprised if there's already a knockoff on you know the apple store for mobile about being a raccoon that digs through everybody's trash or whatever it is it's a wonderful game everyone go play it if you're listening download it right now it's on game pass find a way to play it play it with your kids play it by yourself uh especially in this in this dark um really difficult time uh, it's perfect. It's perfect for right now. Just jump in, relax, zone out a little bit and play it. That is it, ladies and gentlemen, for the podcast today. Uh, a couple of reminders. Remember, we are on Twitter now at PreorderCast. We are posting on Twitter. We're posting about our Twitch stream. Uh, no, sorry. Jake, which one are we on? Twitch or Mixer? We're, we haven't we're figured. <laughs> I think we're on Mixer. We're but. on Mixer. We're going to do Mixer. By the time this podcast is up, we will have done our first Mixer, and we'll, we will definitely do more, and we will announce when those are going to happen uh, on our Twitter, and they're probably going to be Friday nights, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the one that we're doing this weekend. Again, that's by the time this posts, we'll have already done that. We announce, we'll, you'll, you'll hear it in a, uh, an announcement as we do more, and we'll announce those on our Twitter, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, Jake, and Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, listen for announcements uh, about our Twitch stream and the games that we're going to be playing. We're going to be, you know, retweeting industry news. We're going to be talking about, you know, the games that we're playing and and posting, creating good content. We're trying to get better at doing that. So thank you everybody for listening and have a good week.